this on Brook Road, didn't you? That's that's great. Always means a lot to to hear something by one of the one of our daughters. Just brings back a lot of memories of them singing. And uh, go to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. Got to hurry as fast as we can because that way it get you there before high time. Um, but uh, no, at Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-four. Go to Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-four. Actually, I've got some ground to cover, and so I want to get to it as quickly as I can tonight. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. Amen. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought of your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the liberties of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven shall he not much more clothe you O ye of little faith therefore take no thought saying what shall you eat or what shall you drink or wherewithal shall you be clothed will you be clothed shall you be clothed I'm sorry shall we be clothed for after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you're blessed tonight. Lord Jesus, I'm not sure why you brought this to my mind uh, again about a week ago, but, but you did. And Father, I pray that you'd please just guide my mind, my thoughts tonight. And Lord, that we'd walk away with tools to, uh, to, to do exactly what you've told us to do. And, you, and you'd help us and you'd direct us. And, but Lord, right now, I need your spirit. I need your guidance. I need your direction. I need your clarity of mind. So Holy Spirit, I once again yield myself to thee and ask you, please, direct my mind, my thoughts, that I might be a help and blessing to someone here tonight, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is a, honestly a pretty amazing passage. At first glance, you think that God does not want you to buy any clothes or prepare any food or get something to drink. But in reality, the passage is really, what it's really saying and describing a person either consumed with what he drinks, eats, wears, with his life, he's consumed with it, he's consumed with, with what he's able to do, uh, or he's a person who's always worrying and anxious about it. It's one of those two, it's either just really, really anxious, or you know, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do? or somebody is like, oh, I gotta have that, gotta have that, gotta have that, gotta have that. And that's what God is saying. We all, you know, the truth is, is that, that probably everybody in there, you could, you know, somebody. And my girls are would would talk to us every once in a while. They uh, uh, they would meet somebody like this, or there's some of their friends would be this way. But somebody who's just really, really, really into brand names. You know, I mean, it it, it they can look identical, but you got to have the one with the brand name. Got to have the brand name. Uh, I was I was listening to something the other day, and I and I heard they, this movie star, and even the the, the world was kind of saying, you know, she's about nuts, but but um, but she was really she's pushing all these 
really kind of unique health kind of things. And so she, what she was pushing this time was she was pushing a breakfast drink that'll change your life. And then it said this. It said, but the fact is that breakfast drink cost her $1,500 to have it made each morning. Now, anybody want that breakfast drink tomorrow? Sure. That's a lunatic. Okay, now. We have, you've known people who would never buy anything from a thrift store, even if it was new. Still had the tags on it. Not going to go to the thrift store. Now, there's us that that's the only place we shop, okay? But, uh, but you know, even if it had the tags on them. But they'll buy the same item for 10 times the amount of, if it's a brand name store. Now, there's others who are always worried about tomorrow, being able to have what they want. If they don't have it today or can't see how it's going to happen tomorrow, then they're in this fear, in, in frustration, because they can't, they're so concerned that it's not going to happen the way they want. Ultimately, God does not want us uh, with our minds on things on the earth, but they're on Him. He doesn't want us consumed about all these things because truthfully, all these things are going to burn up. And if they don't burn up, they're going to wear out before they burn up. You know, I've, uh, I've had the, the pleasure of, you know, of, of I've, honestly, uh, virtually everything I wear, even stuff that's unseen, has been all been given to me. Everything that I have in my closet is given to me. And I probably at one time had 25 suits. I've never, I've never, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't buy them. I don't buy anything. And really nice. Well, I had uh, there for about, uh, about a five-year period, I had someone that about, you know, every year was going to buy me a five or $600 suit, you know. And, um, and I had one of those. And, and, uh, and I was walking down the hallway uh, 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 a place that they call it a cattle chute at the college and I was walking down, they had a metal door there and as I walked by, it had a little piece of metal hanging out and it hung the suit and just sliced it. Now, it was, it was brand new. But I don't care what you do, there's nothing you can do to cover that up. You can't, you can't do anything with it. Uh, I had on one of my nicest suits uh, probably about six months ago. I was... Uh, out here, and I was grabbing something on the back of my truck. And Brother West, you mentioned, I think you mentioned that, that metal back there on the back of my truck. Well, uh, I, I hung that right there on my suit pants. And it's just, it's just enough of a nick there that you know it's there. And you know, it's, it's really, you look at it and think, I can't believe this. Why can't it happen to my blue jeans? Why can't it happen to anything else? Why can't it, you know, just, but no, it's got to be on one of my, you know, the, the nice suits. So, you know, but we get consumed. We can get consumed with clothing. Even in church, some, now I'm not talking about our church, of course, uh, but some churches, you know, they may consume with having the best, the nicest, the sharpest, the, the most fashionable. I hate to say this with my dad, but I grew up and I didn't go to church a whole lot. But there's a little church out in the country. But I'll be honest with you, as a kid, that when I can remember going, there was like three or four ladies there that even as a kid, you knew they were just there to show off. They were always going to try to show off. They had a, 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 you know, she's got a fur coat now. Well, next week, this other one's going to have a longer fur coat than her fur coat. And they're going to have a new car, and they're going to have new, and it's all about this new stuff that came to show. And I don't know why they want to, because we're just farmers anyway. But they're all going to, you know, there was a few of them that I guess thought they had money. And, and I mean, even as a kid, I thought, that's stupid. 
It just really is. And that's why I don't ever buy Joe Beth any clothing. So it did. <laughs> but now, now, this does not mean God does. Now, listen to me, though. This does not mean that God doesn't want you to dress right or take care of yourself. I, I personally think it's a statement of respect for God and the church to dress nicely and to care for ourselves. I really do. I think God said, you know, that we, it's a, it's a point of respect. I think it's, it's something that we, we say that, uh, you know, if I, if I was going to go, if, well, look on the, uh, tonight, if you looked on these, uh, on a football game and the announcer, probably they're going to have these announcers there. They're going to be in some five, six thousand uh, dollar suits and ties and things. Why? Because they're going to, they're going to look professional. They're going to try to look sharp. They're going to look classy. Well, if they're going to do that for their business for the Super Bowl, I think I ought to try to look you know, as, as, as the best I can for God. I just think that's important. Now, this may seem to be contradictory, but it's not. It's what's in your heart that makes the difference. Now, just hold on. This, this message is not about clothing, but I'm just trying to, to, to put a foundation here. No man, the scripture says, can serve two masters. You either... so. Again, the, the, this is just really an illustration, but you either dress to impress because of pride and arrogance or you dress to please the Lord and represent the Lord in humility and love. Now, the truth is you might not be dressing much differently, but it's why are you doing it? Why is it? What's in your heart the purpose you're doing? When you dress to please the Lord, you do not evaluate someone else's dress. That's a good test. You say, well, how do I know what's really in my heart? Well, what, what's re- when you look at other people, how do you judge them? Are you simply wanting to do your best? Or when you dress to impress, you will con- critique everyone else's dress for you wanted to outdo them in the first place. So you always could, it, it's, the, it's hilarious to me when you go out into malls and go shop at, at different places, how women all look at other women's dress. It's all just, and sometimes they're really, really out front about what they think about their dress. I mean, they just look and just scowl at times. And I want to look up to them and say, hey, do you don't think I can see your ugly face? You're looking at us, okay? But it's just like, like, why would you be wearing that? Because I want to, knucklehead. Um, But anyway... The foundation, this illustration is not foundational to this, this message, but it's primary to the purpose of the message. And here's, here's what I'm trying to, what, we're, what is truly the primary teaching of the passage is, is, of course, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And God's just using, God uses the illustration of clothing and food and drink. He's using an illustration of those things. Now, all that the world seeks and all that the worldly seek, God says, really, he gives an example of it. He says, basically, it's money, possessions, clothing, fine dining, fine clothing, fine living. All they that seek God find that God can provide all that we need and much, much more. So the world's out there and they seek all these things to have all these things that will please them. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just going to have the finest of everything. And that's somehow going to make them a better person or more important person or a more successful person or going to dim- dress for success. And they're dressing that way to impress. And, and, that's, and God says, that's not what this is all about. 
When you seek God, God says, listen to me, you seek me, and I'll take care of everything you really need. Now, we simply must serve him and not mammon. If we keep our ears, our eyes, our desires focused on God and not on the glitter of the world, God gives us more than the world could ever dream of. Proverbs 10, 22 says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. That's one of, I love that verse. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and it addeth no sorrow with it. You know what? When God blesses you with something, it, honestly, to, to tear your suit coat really doesn't bring you sorrow. Because God gave it to you. And you know what? He's got a bunch more of them. And he can take care of it. You can, he, he can give you a bunch more. And you know, the, it just it affects you differently. God blesses in a way that, that truthfully, riches, unless you're a unique person, they probably are going to bring sorrow along with them. They're going to bring heartache with them. Psalm 119, 14 says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. The heart that God is looking for is one described in this verse. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. You know what he's saying? God's saying, if you really seek me, then when you find a truth in the word of God, you'll get as excited about that as you will a new outfit. Now, 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 think about it. If you got that incredibly new outfit, ladies, and we could, and I could shake, and we could sit down and, and get in the Bible and find the truth, which one would you be more excited about? Well, as a husband who takes care of the bills, I hope it's the truth. But no, the fact is, is that all of us, you know, if I got me a, uh, I, I, the other day I was over at my mother-in-law's and they, she's cleaning out her closet and there was a Memphis jacket in there. You know what? I really was excited to get that Memphis jacket because I'd love to have something like that, but I'm not buying it. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting to get that. But, you know, God's saying really truthfully, he's saying, do you really get as excited about my truth as, as you do when you get something Physical like that. Proverbs 18, uh, Proverbs 8, 17 and through 19 says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. I love that, durable riches. He says, my fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. Durable riches are riches that last. They are enduring. They are enduring. They, they will last. And God says, I know that you may seek after riches of the world. He said, but those riches are going to vanish away. Anybody ever had a little bit of money? Anybody ever seen how fast that little bit of money can go? Here's what you do. Put it in the bank and then start spending it, but don't check the amount. Don't check the account. What your brain will say is, oh, I must have. If you put $10,000 in there in about two weeks, you're going to be thinking, I probably got $9,500 still in there. Now, if the truth is you go check it, you probably got about $2,000 left in there. Because we spend it like crazy and don't even realize how much we're spending. And it vanishes. It goes so quickly. But God says he has durable riches. 
Riches that endure, riches that last, and those riches addeth no sorrow with it. So Proverbs eleven twenty eight says this, he that trusteth in his, in his riches, now these are not durable riches, these are the world's riches. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. As a branch. Now, what's the priority of this passage? And hopefully I don't have you too confused by that, but what's the priority of this passage? Is it the riches and possessions that we receive? I, I don't think so. I think the priority of this passage, where God's really trying, it's, it's, I believe it's the priority is seeking God first in all things. That's what he's really, no matter what he's talking about, whether it's, whether it's something to eat, whether it's something to drink, whether it's something to put on, whether it's houses, whether it's cars, whether it's, whether it's music, whatever it is, God says, look, uh, there's all kinds of things out there. He said, but what I need for you as a Christian is to desire me more than them. So, first, I think it's in a priority of importance. You see, I think it's a priority of seeking God, and it's a priority of importance, and it's a priority of time. And, I, and I'm not going to take a whole lot of time on this, but if you look through the Bible, you'll find out that, that early in the day, you see, you see person, Abraham met God early. Jacob met God early in the day. Moses met jo Joshua, Gideon, Job, and it goes on and on and on. They met God early in the day. Now, that's the priority of time. But then there's the priority of importance. And I'll give you this little uh, story here. In the late 19th century, John Wanamaker opened a department store in Philadelphia. Within a few years, that enterprise had become one of the most successful businesses in the country. But operating his store wasn't Wanamaker's only responsibility. He was also named Postmaster General of the United States. And he served as superintendent for what was then the largest Sunday school in the world at Bethany Presbyterian Church. When someone asked him how he could hold all those positions at once, he explained, early in life I read, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And here's what he said. He said, the Sunday school is my business. All the rest are just things. That's the postmaster general of the United States. But he said, my priority is my Sunday school. One evidence of Wanamaker's desire to keep the Lord's work first in his life, listen to something else he did, first work in his life was he specifically constructed a soundproof room in his store. Every day he spent 30 minutes there praying and meditating upon God's word. He's just a fellow that said, yeah, I got a lot to do. Got a, some incredible responsibilities, but I'm going to put God first. I'm going to seek God first. Now, here's what I was trying to do. That's all just kind of foundational. I'm going to real quickly, I'm going to give you seven things. You want me to write them down? You may not just listen to them, but, but seven ways. You know, here's what happens so often. What we do is we look at this, and, 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 I'm, and I'm guilty of this. We'll say, seek God first. Seek God first. Seek God first. And we walk out of here, and we really don't know how to seek God first. What does that really mean? You probably you're not going to go build a soundproof room in the store that you own. Probably you're not going to have to make a decision between running a big business and being the postmaster general and being the superintendent of the largest Sunday school in the world. Probably that's not it. So what can we do? So number one, here you go. Number one, Romans 12, 2. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
If we're going to seek God, the first thing that we need to do, we need to do it on a regular basis, we need to do it on a daily basis, we need to do it throughout the day, and that's that we need to renew our minds. We need to renew our minds. It doesn't take but just a moment. It doesn't take but a sight or sound to trash our mind. We need to be renewing our mind all the time. We have naturally the old mind. We must have the new mind of Christ. And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We have to purposely desire and want that mind in us. The word of God renews the mind and transforms the heart into patterns and ways of God. And so the more we renew our mind through the word of God, the more we push out the garbage and we take out the old mind and put in the mind of Christ, the more we understand the ways of God. And so if we're doing that, then we're in fact seeking God. God's word is living and activates the spirit of God that dwells on the inside of us. And so we, we need to seek the word of God to renew our minds and that will seek God. Does that make sense to anybody? Number two, maintain an awareness of your need. Maintain an awareness of your need. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is poor. Now look, poor in spirit, and I've taught on this before, but poor in spirit doesn't mean that we're, we're financially poor. That's not what it meant. Someone poor in spirit lives in constant awareness of their need uh, for the sustainability of God. Someone poor in spirit understands that they need God to keep them going. Someone that's poor in spirit says, I've got to have God or I'm not going to make it. You want to seek God? you got to start believing every step you take and every move you make that you've got to have God and his power and his strength. We just can't make it in this world. We cannot be the husband that we need to be, fellas, without God's strength and God's power. You can't be the wife that you need to be without God's strength and God's power. You can't be the leader. You can't be a worker. You can't be a teacher without God's strength and God's power. We've got to understand it is God that sustains us. And that's really what it means to, to be poor in spirit. It, it's, it's saying, I, I know God. I'm nothing without you. Number three, how y'all like the way I teach a lesson? All right, now, number three, examine the treasures in your heart. Examine the treasures in your heart. You say, what do you mean? Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what are the treasures in your heart? I think what it means is that God's saying, do an examination of your heart. If I want to seek God, then I've got to examine my heart. What's the, what is at the core of your desires? I, and you say, I don't know. Okay, then do this. Here's another test for you. What upsets you? What makes you angry? And you can tell what's important to you. And again, if, if uh, get, getting your suit torn just makes you lose it. If you get that new car and somebody scratches it and you lose your mind, then there's a problem there because that's become way too important to you. I probably told this story before, but my uncle Herman 
bought a brand new burnt orange truck. It was beautiful. He was a farmer. I'm in the back. Now, Uncle Herman was a unique fella. He would drive really slow on the road, but as soon as he turned into a field, he would just take off. He would drive really fast in the field, which was kind of uncomfortable because we were always riding in the back of the truck, and there's no seats back there, so you're just kind of bouncing around everywhere. And, uh, but he would do that. But he got this brand new truck, and I just, you know, I was just a kid, but I thought this thing is beautiful, beautiful. We came up to a gate. I jumped out of the back of the truck, ran up there, and opened the gate. Well, I was holding the gate back here, you know, just a, a you know, barbed wire gate, and I was holding the gate back. He drove through, and as he did, on the right side over here, he drove against the post and scratched it all the way down. And I thought, he, he didn't know he, he ran into that post. He went out in the field and turned around and drove and scratched the other side down the post. I don't know if I asked him or I don't know if I, I think I asked him, but I'd like, you just scratched your truck. You just messed it up. It was beautiful. And you know what he said? He said, I know what I did. Now I don't have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about scratching it anymore. It's all done. It's over with. We can just quit worrying about that. i like, I didn't understand it, but he did it. So, What's really in our desires? What really angers and frustrates us? These motivations give insight to our, our heart, uh, the, the issues of our heart. And truthfully, when, when, it's the, when losing things or things getting destroyed or somebody messing up your things or somebody breaking your things, uh, that kind of shows us that we've got things in our heart that shouldn't be there. We got the wrong treasures. Just the wrong treasures. You know, we, we, we know, oh, this Christmas, if it Lord, Lord willing, it sounds like maybe even Mike and Brooke and the five boys may come. And if they do, that'll be 22, as we know now, 22 grandchildren in our house for Christmas. Can I tell you? There's going to be some things destroyed before Christmas holidays are over. There's going to be a whole lot of things destroyed. But my daddy taught me that a house is not made to be looked at. It's most made to be lived in. And it's, not, it's made for, for the family. He also told me if you don't want something broke, son, have enough sense to put it away. And no, no. Keep God first in your life and these things will be eliminated from your heart. And that's what it comes down to. It's not that we can't have things. It's not that we don't desire to have them. They just don't overwhelm us if we lose them. It's not that big of a deal. It's going to be okay. Does this all make sense to everybody? It helps us seek the Lord. Number, number four, work to desire to have spirit-led decision-making in your life. Everything. And this is something we all can work at more. And I used to hear my old preacher say this, but he would say often that he would just pray, Lord, what direction do I drive to work? Which way do I take home from the church? What, we need to just start really talking to God and get used to hearing him just kind of lead us and say something. You say, why, why, why? I walk outside 
and virtually every night that I walk outside, I walk to the street, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take my walk and pray. And as I get there, I will pause for God to just tell me which way to walk. I just, I don't want to just take off and walk without thinking, okay, God, you probably got a direction for me to go. Now, that direction may protect me. That direction may allow me to see something that blesses me. I, I, I'm not sure. But, but as I come, it's something. And, and literally, I, people think I'm probably crazy probably because I walk out there. And there's been a few times where I've just gone. <whistles> because suddenly I thought I didn't ask. And I think I'm supposed to go the other way. Now, when I'm really tired and confused, I kind of go back and forth. It's kind of like Groucho Marx. And so, and y'all have no clue. All right, now, Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that the kingdom of God, listen to what it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. People get so confused about this thing, kingdom, kingdom of God, but, but a whole a lot of times when the Bible's talking about the kingdom of God, it's talking about us, our heart's desire inside of us. When, are we really yielded to God? Uh, you know, when, when, when the prayer in Luke chapter 11, uh, when, when God, uh, we go through it, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how's that going to happen? The kingdom of God is in here. It's right here when I do the will of God in my life. When I'm serving God in my life. And the, for the kingdom of God is not made and trained. It's talking about right here and right now. The kingdom of God is not about the things we possess or what kind of food I get or all the things that I can have. Uh, although you should buy uh, some specialty coffee. But the... Uh, but the things I can have, all these things, it's not, that's not it. It's right now. What, what is the kingdom of God? It's when I live in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, don't quench or ignore the Spirit of God. Follow His promptings and heed His warnings. And, and I've already talked about this before, but learn to hear His voice. Just too many Christians don't hear the Holy Spirit speak. But we need to. We need to. And, and you say, what is? It's that prompting when you want so bad to do something, but something's saying, it's just down inside that's saying, don't do that. And you're like, but it just makes sense that I ought to, but don't do that. You know what? Just don't do that. No matter how much it makes sense and how much it seems like and how much it's going to be, just no, mm, just not going to do it. And that's about the best I can explain to you. Just don't do it. If in doubt, don't. All right? Now, here we go. Uh, number five. Got to hurry. I'm running late. I thought. Receive the kingdom as a child. You see, if we're going to seek God, we got to come to him. Luke chapter 18, verse 16, as a child. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for, as, for of such is the kingdom of God. If we're going to seek God, truthfully, uh, we don't seek him in our intellect. We don't seek him in our abilities. We don't seek him in our great prowess and our, our great, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
prominence. We don't do that. We have to come as a little child. Again, that's why I said in Luke chapter 11, our father, our, our Abba father. You know what that means? That means his, I'm his child. And we've got to come to God as a little child, humble as a child. The first line in, in the prayer says, our father teaches disciples that the, the father, uh, and the, he's our father. We're the children. Just like children rely and depend on their parents to meet their needs, God wants us to depend on his provision for our lives. In the same way a child journeys trusting uh, through life, uh, uh, trustingly through life, we too should live casting our care on the one who is ready and willing to meet all of our needs. And that's what we got as a little child. They're going to take care of us. Every little child. You know, how many of you adults have ever said, man, just to be a child again and have no worries? Okay. Uh, you can't, I tell you, every adult has said that that had a child. And you look and you think, they got it made. You know, they get carried around. They sleep when they want to. They eat when they want to. And if they don't get to eat when they want to, they throw a fit and then get to eat. And you just, it's just a great life just to be a kid. And you grow up and playing and doing and you're not, not a worry in the world. And God says, you don't have a worry either. What are you worried about? You're my child. God wants us to come to him and stay with him in his presence in simple childlike faith. Number six, love him Holy, completely. Mark, Mark chapter 12, verse 32 and 33, and the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. You know, the truth is God saying, if we're really going to seek him, that means that we've got to start saying, God, I want you in my mind. I want you in my heart. I want you in my soul, my thought process. I want you in my physical abilities. I want you totally in every fiber of my being to control me. This is repeated throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, New Testament, Greater, and listen to this, and don't misunderstand it, but greater than our church activities, greater than our home activities and our work, the highest call is to love God with all our heart, Amen. our mind, Amen. our soul, our understanding. This multi-layered command speaks to every part of human life, mind, body, and soul. The scripture reminds us that our God is a jealous God. Remember that. He's a jealous God and he wants every portion of that which he created. He created us. He's given us life. And we're his. We don't belong to anybody else. We don't belong to ourselves. There should be nothing that would hold us back from, from, or, uh, from him or try to hide, uh, to cause us to try to hide from him. We need to give ourselves to him freely. And that's the way we seek God. God, I'm human, and I'll never do this completely, but you got me. All of me. Do with me what you will. 
give you my life. A little church in Carville, Tennessee, that I came forward and I knelt at an altar. And I was about 24 years old, I guess, and that's when I told God, God, you got to be on. And I had a lot of people over the years who say it won't last, it won't stick, and you won't continue. But I started studying about Paul, and Paul said he was a servant. And when I read and I studied for the first time that that servant, that was the word doulos, and the definition of that is a lowly slave. And I realized that even though it was my choice, God gave me the choice, I became what's called a bondservant. But you have to understand, a bondservant is still a slave. He's a slave by love, but he's still a slave. I gave up my rights. I gave up my choices. I gave up my life and said, God, I'm yours. I had done it perfectly, but that was a long time ago. And I still want God to direct my life, to lead me. And I believe that it's so important that I continue to seek Him, and I can't truly seek Him when I got control of me. It, it, it's amazing, but in order for me to seek Him, He must control me to seek him. And, and watch this. If he's in control of me, he knows where he is. So I'm going to find him. If I seek him, I will find him. Number seven. Just a simple command, but I think this is very important, especially for this generation. I believe we're going to seek God so that God Take care of everything else about our life. And he generally, generally will. I mean, generally, he genuinely will. He will take care of everything else in your life. And I'm not saying he'll always do everything you want or do it the way you want or give you what you want. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that God will take care of you. But Mark chapter 12, verse 31 says this, and, and the second is, is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's none other commandment greater than these. So he shows we need to love the Lord thy God, uh, heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And he said, but you've got to love your neighbor. And I think the second highest call is to love others as ourselves. I believe God, if we're going to seek God, I don't think we can truly seek God until we start truly wanting and desiring and sincerely loving each other. You know, as I thought of it, I thought of it this way. You know, I think, I'm, I'm pretty big on family. Somebody may have noticed that <laughs> uh, by now. Uh, I'm pretty intense about family. I'm pretty intense about big family uh, because I got no other choice. But, uh, but I, I'm, I'm very much about family. And I think I'm made in the image, the likeness of God. In other words, I think God's pretty big on family. And when we think about that, we think, well, God's, God's big on family, and he wants you to care about your family. No, wait a minute. We are the family of God. We are his children. 
Now, anybody here got more than one child? Would you raise your hand for me, please? Okay. Would you like for your children to get along? Hmm. Anybody here with more than one child, you've, your children have ever had a conflict? Uh-huh. Now, if your children ever had a conflict, that, that, as, a, as a parent, you really don't want that. You don't want them to have conflict. That's why you beat them since... No, that's... Uh, no, you don't want them to conflict. You don't want them to argue. You don't want them to fight. Uh, and I told you a story, and there's a lot of things that I'm going to tell you over and over again, but, but uh, my girls, uh, they were sort of normal, and they would periodically, you know, once every five years or so, they'd have an argument. <laughs> uh, but they would, you know, whether it's, listen, at one time we had to have a, a counter on the outside of the bathroom in the hallway so we could have, you know, two of them in the bathroom curling their hair, brushing their teeth, doing all that kind of stuff. And then we had a counter in the hallway so that they could have little stools under the counter and a plug-in strip around there so they could all sit in the hallway. And, the, and so we, there is like a spider web of, of curling irons and blow dryers and whatever going through there. I can remember the day to Tara. She was six years old. She came walking through there, through that spider web, and I heard something gagging. I heard, ah, ah, and I turned around and looked, and Tara was trying to get through the cords, and she had hung up, and one of them had it right here, and the girls just did not care, just like pulling tighter, pulling tighter. And Tara was just like, ah, ah. I think, are you crazy? You're going to kill your sister so you can get one more curl. <laughs> they conflict, they fight, and, and you don't want that. But, but, but it was, I don't know, it was probably about four or five years ago. We were all together for something. You know, they're all grown now, and, and a couple of them got in a little bit of a tip. They, they disagreed about something, and I, they get that from Joe Beth's side of the family. And so, uh, amen. <laughs> Uh, I try to, you know, in my side, we all get along all the time. And so, uh, but I, I just, you know, I, I, I stopped them and I just sat them down and said, girls, listen, you've got to understand, you can't do this anymore. And they looked at me like, dad, we've argued our whole life, you know, it's fine. I said, no, you don't understand. When you argued as children, you went to your room, you got up the next morning, you had to work this out eventually. You know what I mean? And you were together to work it out. But watch this. Heather, you go back to Philadelphia, mad. Ashley, you go back to Durham, mad. And Amber, you go back to, to Hammond, mad. And, go on, and you won't see each other for the next six months. And know this, girls, whether you've grasped it or not, women don't forget things. They, they, a man, that's gone. A woman, six months later, it's not gone. It's like a cancer. <laughs> it has grown exponentially. It has expanded. And things have happened now in your mind that never actually happened that day. <laughs> things have been said that were never really said. Kind of like the day that Jill Beth got up so mad at me because of something I did in her dream. And she was mad at she was mad at me all day. Like, wait a minute now. 
I can't control what I do when we're awake, but in, my, in your dream? But she was still mad at me. But watch this. If we want our children to get along, don't you think God wants his children to get along? He does. That's why I get so frustrated at the faction of our nation that keeps trying to stir up everybody and cause everybody to hate each other. Because if you drive around Memphis, Tennessee, if you go visit and house to house and house and, and do what we do, can I tell you, uh, virtually everybody I come in contact with, they want to be friendly. Amen. They want to get along. People don't really want to be this way. He wants his children to get along. After all, we're going to be spending eternity together. You ever said that to your kids? You're going to behave. We're in this car for the next 10 hours, so you're going to shut up. Well, that seems like an eternity, but we really, as children of God, are going to spend eternity together. So what I believe we're supposed to do is we're supposed to extend the same mercy and forgiveness and grace to others as God has done for us. And as I tell you all the time, and you hear me pray, God has been mighty patient with us. His grace has been incredible. His mercy endures forever. We are family, and God wants his family to get along and love each other. That's it. He wants us to love each other. So, my challenge tonight, and time's way up, is... My challenge tonight is to seek the Lord. Let's commit tonight to seek the Lord. And this is not all inclusive, but I've tried to give you some ways which we could say, okay, when we walk out. And, and that's what a lot of people just don't understand. And, and truthfully, we don't need to teach those as, as though they're commands or doctrines. We need to teach those that they are preferences that are wonderful principles. Principles.